welcome to this episode of The Making of an Exception. If this is your first time tuning in, this podcast is for anyone who's looking to be inspired, to gain new perspective on life, or is aspiring to live out their faith in whatever field you find yourself in. Each week, we'll be interviewing influencers and creatives who are exceptions to the rule. The fact that they've gone through what they've gone through, walked through the challenges and pain that they have, and have been gifted the way they've been gifted is what makes them an exception. Our goal is that you'd hear this story today and you'd be inspired and challenged to be an exception in the making. If this podcast has impacted your life, you can help support by going to our website, exceptionpodcast.co, and clicking the Patreon link or by finding it in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support, and thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Making of an Exception podcast. My name is Kirk Graham. Today, we have the founder of The Golden Rule, which is a lifestyle shop and gallery, decidedly... Not a boutique. Not a boutique. Don't call it a boutique. No. But it's a lifestyle shop and gallery in Excelsior, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And uh, her name is Erin Dunnick. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yes, you're welcome. We, We started this podcast a while ago. And uh, we've always kind of thrown out, like, if you if you know anybody uh, who's doing just amazing things with their life, uh, like any level of success or influence, but also has uh, just a crazy faith journey and life journey, uh, just throw their names out. And so many people, friends of ours, have thrown out your name, and so I can't believe you're actually here. This That's is the really first cool. time we're meeting, yep. so we had a little bit of a pre-conversation before um, we've logged like just, 20 solid minutes of ENFP time. So. Yeah, yeah, but I think, yeah, we found out we're ENFPs, mm-hmm. which is amazing. So we understand each other. Mm-hmm. We're both extroverts. I'm going to uh, do my best to not talk uh, 50% of the time. I'm we'll gonna just talk interrupt each other less. back and forth. Okay, we'll do that, mm-hmm. um, which is totally fine. Uh, but yeah, tell us about what Golden Rule is, when it started, uh, and kind of more of what does it even mean, lifestyle, shop, and gallery. I don't even know what it means. Yeah, so that's a hard question for me to answer in a succinct manner. It it feels really steeped in my history. Are you okay with me kind of going backwards? You're saying it's been around forever in your heart, and now it's here (laughs) (laughs) in a very roundabout way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, I recently have just been doing so much reflecting on where I come from, um, who I come from, the people that have gone before me, and I, I feel like Golden Rule is sort of the culmination and the fruition of. Um, this sort this mantle that I carry from all of these people before me, um, my parents, my dad grew up as a secular humanist yep. and my mom grew up as a Methodist yep. and they both had these really, um, amazing encounters, spiritual encounters when they were young adults. And so they mm. became Christians a little later on. Explain what a secular humanist is. Uh, that's, I don't totally know. It's Something I've never really understood, but it's maybe maybe where, not. Where was your dad? When, maybe not when believing. He would call him that. not going to church. Not yeah. necessarily believing in God. Believing more in like um, the inherent goodness of man. Yeah, yeah got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, your mom was Methodist. Yeah, and you know, grew up in the Christian tradition, but maybe didn't have that personal relationship. And so, sure. in the seventies, they both had these encounters, and so they were very on fire. When like they good had me. spiritual encounters, yes. not like they were on PCP <laughs> no. encounters. No, like life changing felt like um, they met Jesus. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so they so that's this one main thing, 
And then the other thing is that they both lost people close to them around mm. the same time. My mom's sister, her only sibling, died of cancer, and my dad's dad died in his arms wow. of a heart attack. Wow. And so then they um, they met and they got married, and they had me soon after, yeah. two years later. So my young adult, or my young, not my young adult, but my young life was very marked by, one, their faith, yeah. and two, their losses, even yeah. though they didn't really bring them to the table as such. I think, um, I believe strongly in absence as presence. And because I didn't get to know my aunt or my grandfather, I just knew these very distilled versions of them. Yeah. And so my aunt in her young life was um, a published poet, yeah. you know, before she died of cancer. Yeah. And my grandfather ran Kaufman Union. So he was a community builder yeah. and his motto in life was to thine own self be true. And so when you don't know someone and you to have no... To thine own self be true. Yes. And when you don't wow. know someone That'll and you preach. have no experience with them, it's very easy to distill their life down to just these tiny truths that you have. Yeah. Absence is presence. Yeah. Yep. So for whatever reason, being an oldest child or just being the child of two very earnest ENFPs. You are, you are an uh, only child. Oldest of three. Oh, oldest of three. Did I say Got only? It. I mean oldest. No, you might have said, you might have said oldest. Who I knows? heard only. Okay. <laughs> I misspeak all the time. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, I took on this mantle of like yeah. all of these people who came before me and I took on the mantle of to thine own self be true, community building, uh, the poetry. Yep. My grandmother was a writer and an activator, and my other grandmother was an activist. And then my parents uh, chose to live out their lives um, in their calling. So yep. they were musicians, yep. and they sang for children. And so they, they lived their life together, art as a vocation, and it was their mission to the world. And so I, I had this very earnest, earnest example. And... I just assumed that I would also be a singer, and that's yeah. what I went to school for, and it never occurred to me that I couldn't do art as vocation. And so I never set out to have golden rule. I set out to be a singer-songwriter and to sing with joy and to kind of proclaim. And then just all the different twists and turns that my life has taken, I mean, I can tell you more about that, but yeah, yeah. yeah now I find myself no, and as we a shopkeeper. No, we will, <laughs> yeah, we will talk about the twists and turns, but somehow it ended up in art as vocation, it's still true that mm -hmm. this is a form of art for you mm -hmm. in keeping this shop. Um, and and so practically, if you walk into the Golden Rule today, what are people going to find? So it is my heart, mind, and soul in a room. I mean, that's the best way to explain it. Can you it. talk more epically? Like, that's so epic. It's uh, oh <laughs> amazing. No, it's really, that's awesome. And even just phrases like art is vocation. Uh, or to the, to thine own self be true. Like we're five minutes into this, and I've learned fourteen things. So <laughs> no, I appreciate no. it. Okay, so your mind, heart, and soul. Yeah. Uh, um. So I had been. We'll take it back to 1994 when this I was is the best. I love 14 <laughs> years great. old, yeah. and I was making jewelry like every young girl makes jewelry. You know, yeah. kind of obsessively and prolifically. And my parents were like. Okay, well, if you're going to do this, let's do this the right way. Yep. So they got me an apprenticeship with a silversmith. Really? So, and only, you know, yeah, your parents artist so parents cool. would do something like that, you know? Yeah. So I sort of had these skills in my back pocket and this this hobby, I guess I would call it. I still thought I'd be a singer-songwriter, and that's what I ended up doing for a long time. And I did jewelry on the side for weddings and whatever. And I ended up getting married really quite young, yep. having a daughter and getting divorced quite quickly. Yeah. And 
Um, How young were you? Well, I guess it's all relative. I was 23 when we yeah, got yeah. married and 25 when we got divorced. So just kind yeah. of quick went yeah. through everything. Um, and I found myself just in a place I never imagined I would be. I mean, my parents were now pastors. I grew up with the best family as kind of an annoying goody-goody. Yep. Everything was easy for me, went right for me. So it was not what I imagined. To everything going wrong. Yes, just yeah. wrong. So I started um, writing and singing with, have you heard of, ever heard of Caitlin Smith? I I don't, and maybe she's listening, and I'm a fan. Hi, Caitlin. <laughs> no, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's written for Garth Brooks, and she Got wrote it. that song, I'm Going to Love You Like I'm Going to Lose You, that was on the Friends radio. Friends in Low Places, is it? <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> it's kidding. no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> no, but she's um, famous on her own right now. She was just in People Magazine. She's yeah. just no blown way. up. No way. So she and I were living together and writing you together. You know this person. Oh, yeah, we were songwriting Amazing. partners. Amazing. No so way. we were singing together. You get a co-write on Garth's <laughs> album, man. Yeah, that's yeah. It pays for my car. It's yeah, fine. It's amazing. Um, no, so she and I were writing and singing out at every bar every weekend, all over the place, and it was pretty raw. We called it. We were the Kates, Aaron, Kate, and Caitlin, and it was heartbreak with hope. And our songs were a little bit heartbreaking. We were both dealing with stuff, and yeah. the more we healed the slightly happier our songs got. Um, but that was kind of really going somewhere. And then I met the love of my life and I didn't really have sad things to say anymore. Cause and, things started going right. Yeah. And yeah. the same thing happened for her. We each got married. She moved to Nashville and became a staff songwriter and I moved to Excelsior and Ben was kind of like, you know what, this late night gig lifestyle just isn't working yeah. for family life. And I agreed. And so I started that's when the jewelry kind of came back into play. Yeah. And I opened up a little gallery on our property called Orchard Art House. We had a house, or still have a house, on an old orchard. Yep. And I had been given so much by the arts and music community in Minneapolis during my divorce that I, I wanted a way to give back. Yeah. So I brought in all of these artists that I wanted the West Side to know and yep. then sold their work and didn't take a commission because I knew I was kind of learning, but I also wanted to do this favor. Yep. And during that time, you know, I've now married the love of my life. And of mm -hmm. course, we want to grow our family. And so we started trying to have children. And um, just after a succession of losses, yeah, yeah. we talk about that. Um, yeah. in, and you mentioned it right before we started. But yeah, um, the you know, you, and you've already said things went wrong mm -hmm. with your first marriage. Mm -hmm. Then you met the love of your life. Things are starting to go well. Mm -hmm. uh, but it leads into, again, things going wrong. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I uh, miscarried a child. And uh, unless you experience that and, go, and like, you go through that, um, you can't, you can't, re you don't really know the level of loss. And even as a husband, I don't, I, I, you experience it different. Um, Slightly as the father, more then, detached, yeah. maybe because yeah. it's not happening 100%. in your body. Not, not a lesser degree, but just a different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It's not lesser. Uh, but at the same time, when it's when it's your body and it's happening inside of you, I mean, yeah. it's just different. You it know? adds insult to injury to be yeah. going through surgeries and yeah, and so getting yourself shots and things like that. Walking through that with my wife, open my eyes, like, my goodness, we've had friends that have lost children and we did not give the level of care that we probably should have, you know? So we were actually apologizing to people mm -hmm. because we said we had no idea. Well, and you don't know what, what it, you don't yeah, know. Totally. Um, so talk about, yes, yeah, some of those losses, what, yeah, what happened, um, as you're starting to try to have a baby? Yeah. I mean, I think suffering 
in general can carve carve you out carve out a space in you and I think you know we all suffer that's mm-hmm. an inevitable inevitable part of life but um we have choice in what we do with those broken places like if we yeah. become sharp or if there's some way that we can stay soft um and I've chosen both yeah and I think that you can be carved out so deeply that that can also become a well for like your joy. You can feel joy in a deeper way too. Man, I've never heard I've never heard it like that, and I think it's right, and uh, and it's and it's proof of who you are now, and and kind of what comes out of you, the depth that's inside of you, even in the last thirty minutes of meeting you. Um, but it's just yeah, brilliant. The pain in our life is actually carving out, and 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 you can either choose to say this this has made me hollow and I'm empty or as something that is empty has the potential to be to now filled. Be filled and yeah. if you weren't carved out you wouldn't be able to fi- be filled with that yeah. level of capacity yeah man if I we mean, ended the podcast right now <laughs> if we just ended right now that's brilliant so you know? mic drop yeah, yeah. I'm great all job done. no talk, <laughs> Who cares okay, about so talk about <laughs> talk about being carved out what does that mean I mean, I think you spoke to it saying the word hollow. Mm-hmm. I think that it can feel very, very hollow. And I wanted so deeply to be a mother and to mm-hmm. have a child with this wonderful man and to give my daughter a sibling. And we suffered so much loss. And, you you know, like I said, you have choice. And so I kept thinking, okay, what's my choice here? I, I can't control this. What can I control? And so I kept trying to pour my love um, and care into the gallery and I would sort of year by year grow it in different ways I moved on to George Street in mm-hmm. Excelsior which isn't the main street so it was kind of like this little step up and um, you know by the time we had lost seven babies I had totally given up and um, was just over it and then I got pregnant again miraculously you know naturally and then thought I miscarried again and seven weeks later, when I, I thought I had miscarried, but I hadn't. I had had an ectopic. So I, seven weeks later, was suffering with a lot of pain and ended up in the ER and um, had a brush with death. And mm. so it was this 12-week ectopic pregnancy that, you know, it was a good thing we caught it because I, yeah, that was sort of, that could have been the end. And yeah. in that moment, I was just like, you know, that was my angriest, most hollow point, like, why have I had to suffer through so many things? And I don't even believe in asking that question. I feel like, why do I get to live in Minnesota? Why am I not in a war-torn country? Why am I healthy? You know, like, don't ask. Yeah, yeah. Don't ask why. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just silly. But I, I felt like I had hit my breaking point and it took a few months and finally was just like, you know what? What's my problem? I am so blessed. I have Ben and I have Lillian why do I think I deserve more? Why can't I just be happy? And so I decided to open Golden Rule. And if you know, if I can't have a baby, I'm going to have a shop baby, and I'm going to do it right. I'm going to move on to Water Street and do it up. And so I don't know if you've heard of Ashley Mary. She's another great artist in town. She was helping me, and we decided to go get ruler tattoos for Golden Rule. And I got three inches. Yes. This was like the week before we opened. Wow. And the three inches were meant to be like Ben, me, and Lillian. Like we are complete and I'm going to stop acting and living my life like we have an incomplete family because we are complete. How did you how did you get the point from being your angriest 
to then deciding, okay, we're, we're complete and who am I to ask these questions and now I'm just going to move forward with my life because I think there's people might be listening that right now they're angry or mm-hmm. right now they're asking those questions and they like, how, how, yeah, how do they go, get from, man, I'm, I don't even know if I believe in this God or I don't even, mm-hmm. like, I don't even, I mean, there's people that don't believe in this God, the God that we talk about or believe in and that's, that's fine. But they're just angry to, okay, I got to move forward in life. It was a couple of things. I think one, the anger for me wasn't sustainable. Mm. It was really painful for me and for the people around me. Um, and I think I finally just got a little perspective. Like like I said, why why am I as lucky as I am? Why do I Why am I being greedy? Why do I have to have more? I don't have to have more. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that my acceptance in the tattoo was like me being like, I am so thrilled that I have lost yeah. these children and can't have, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like a, a happiness. It was like an acceptance. Yeah. Um, but the crazy part is that when I got that tattoo, I was already pregnant with my son. No River. way. Yeah. That's you, awesome. I know. So, and I didn't find out, you know, for another you know, 10 days, two weeks. So it was right after we, I opened a golden rule as my shop baby, like all my love and attention and everything. I'm shoving it into this poor shop. Yeah, yeah. And then I find out I'm pregnant and I was like, <laughs> you know, that's crazy. It's like a dream come true. But then of course it was scary because yeah, I lost so many. Yeah. Didn't know if yeah. I, I was kind of like, well, this will, this won't pan yeah. out, you know? Yeah, totally. But we, we had a similar experience in that we were, we thought because we miscarried and we tried for a year after that, that okay maybe it's not happening and so we went down the path of potentially adopting so we yeah. filled out application yep. all this stuff and i've too. actually heard these stories before from other people of like as soon as like you talk about the acceptance it's not that all of a sudden you're happy joyful like praise god i can't have kids uh nobody's doing that but the acceptance of okay maybe this is not uh maybe this is not god's plan for our life or or how things are working out so we accept it we're going to we're going to, we're going to start doing something else, you know, yeah. kind of go down a different road. And it was shortly after, and I don't know if it was when we fill out the application. Uh, there's some other things that we were praying through, uh, that we fill out the application, turn it in. And Kaylee's pregnant with our second daughter, which is amazing. Which is when you are suffering with infertility, it's the most hopeful story and it's also the most annoying yeah <laughs> because you're like oh i'll just turn it off fine i just won't care like you you can't yeah, you, you can't, can't not yeah, yeah. care you know it's like the yeah, thing yeah. you want with every fiber of your being how do you how do you turn that off how do you accept because there's no there's no formula to that no yeah so this this child uh that happens you you're opening up the shop mm-hmm. you get pregnant and this child makes it yeah yeah, which I mean, both of my children now in hindsight, I feel like, what miracles? Why do I have either one of them? They both came at such like inopportune times, you know, not when I was. Yeah. Yeah. Which just goes to show like you can make plans, but plans fall through. And what are my plans anyway? What do yeah, I yeah. know? You know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So you open up the shop mm-hmm. and um, yeah, talk about from birth of your second child uh, and the golden rule. And to a little bit of where it is now. And yeah. then we'll shoot back to the beginning of your life. Because uh, I want to hear about the family you were raised in. Yeah. It's like, you know, you you had art, artists, parents, but also you were a pastor's kid. Yeah. You know, all that. But 
So the shop from, yeah, from your second kid. Sort of a beautiful side effect of getting pregnant with River and then having to take a bit of a step back um, from Golden Rule is that I think Golden Rule was becoming a little bit um, self-centric. It, sure. was, it was very much about me, not, I mean, just by nature. Yeah. Everything I was it's pouring in, yes, yeah, yeah, pouring yeah. it in, you yeah. know, and kind of like violently yeah. doing it. Um, and it created space for other people. And so I feel like opening Golden Rule was almost like opening a lighthouse. And it does, it's this house that sits on a little hill. On the main street in Excelsior. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think it speaks to people... It's like I'm speaking a certain language and certain people hear the frequency of it. And that's kind of an amazing thing in and of itself as a person who has never felt super understood Yeah. to find people who are like, I get what you are doing and I want yes. to be a part of it. And so it, suddenly I had space for other people because I needed to take a step back. Yeah. So these young women started coming in and that's been the greatest gift. It's... It's and, incredible. And so from right now to the end of 2018, like over the last, what, three years, five years? And because how old so is River? It's, so River will be three in February. And I think I signed my lease like almost four years ago. Okay. So, yeah, yeah almost four years ago. Um, you're talk, mm -hmm. you're, what you're speaking to is a community of women yeah. started showing up in your life to help move this thing forward. Yeah. Like, I want to be a part of this. Are you hiring? You know, and at the beginning, of course I was not hiring. This was going to be my thing. Do you want to give some shout outs? I They're really probably, do. That is sort listening. of my job in life to be Let's do a it. cheerleader. Yes. So I, you know, Monica, yes. Monica was maybe like the third woman to come in and be like, are you hiring? And I was like, of course I'm She's hiring you. Yes. Yeah. So she has been like my right hand. And um, also side note about Monica, just because we're talking about her is she every once in a while will text my wife and say, hey, I'm coming over to pick up Adley, our older daughter, and she'll do a full day with Adley, take her to the Mall of America or take her to a movie or take her. And uh, she's just that type of person. Yeah. We love you, Monica. Love you, Monica. And she'll be a guest on this podcast real soon. Yeah. I mean, I have just been blessed to know that a person like her exists. I mean, yeah. I've never met a more angelic human I mean, I feel like, are you, are you possibly a saint? And I've known her a long time and in many yeah. contexts now. And yeah, she's incredible. And it's, it's wonderful to see her work in the world. And um, she's very generous with her time and all of her resources. And I mean, there, there are too many golden girls to even name, but another... That's what you call them? The golden girls? Yes, isn't that cute <laughs> and funny? <laughs> Genius. Yeah, no, yes. pretty young. Amazing. Then another one is Anna Elizabeth. Um, yep. Have you heard Do of her? I'm, when she is better, you have to have her on the Do show. Do I know her? She's a poet and an artist, and she had a heart and lung transplant at Stanford I in August. Her. I would you know will her. know her. Yeah. You've yeah. got to follow her. Yeah, really. Um, she and I, she came to Golden Rule about a year ago, and we hired her on. And another, like, if can a person have more than one right hand? Apparently, I have a few. She, yeah. <laughs> she's incredible. She's like another soulmate. Just both of these people, just old souls, like, you know, 22, yeah. 23, depth beyond their years. Yep. Yeah. So I've got Annalisa Beth, and then I think you know Sammy, and Sammy, Sammy is a new yep. addition, and Maddie Reimer, and yeah. just so many wonderful, wonderful women that I just Shout can't outs. say enough about. Yeah. Amazing. So much talent. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And you know Beth Kath. I'm just yes. saying it because she was the first guest on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so I had a meeting with her when I was um, one week away from having River. 
Yep. That was the first time I met her, and she she was so full of exuberance and ideas, and said, "I want to take Golden Rule to the next level for you. I want to get you some good photography," and that really was a pivotal moment because until then I was kind of just doing it all myself on my iPhone and you know Beth Kath photos. Yeah, that, that's no, a legitimate legit. thing. <laughs> like literally at every <laughs> uh, event that we're at, that she's there with her camera. She, this has happened. I can't tell you how many times. I could think of three right now, but uh, she, it'll be an event that she's getting paid to do. And then she'll like pull me and Kaylee over. She'll be like, hey, you want to do a little mini family photo shoot right now? Mm-hmm. Just right now, like real quick. We'll just shoot quick. She takes a bunch of photos and then she sends it to us later. It's like, okay, you got your Christmas card nicest. picture then. Yeah. yeah, for real. Yeah. It's like, that's, I, we would have paid hundreds, uh, yeah, hundreds of dollars for a little mini family photo shoot yeah. to make it happen. She just does it. Yeah. She's generous. Knowing her and Monica and all these women, they've really um, sort of upped the game and they've taught me a lot. Yeah. Tell me about, tell me about, okay, so as Golden Rule is starting to take off the last four years, mm-hmm. uh, also, I mean, there's a faith side to your life mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk about maybe some younger years, but uh, what has the last four years been like in regards to your relationship with the Lord? Um and seeing this shop grow, seeing your family grow, some mm-hmm. of these dreams happen. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's challenges too that, that you can talk about. But yeah, your relationship with the Lord throughout the last four years and seeing this community kind of yeah. happen. I mean, I don't know why, but the word that's coming to mind is wizened. Like, I, I feel like it's seasoned and older. I remember in high school just being sort of ridiculous and writing, I love Jesus on the side of my shoes. Yeah. Like, you know, doodling. That's what you did? Yes. And being (laughs) really outspoken. Most people are like writing like boyfriend's names. Oh, well, let's be honest. It used to say, I love Travis. There you go. And I had to change it when we broke up to I love Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Shout out to Travis if you're listening. you're listening. (laughs) You missed out. (laughs) So, you know, kind of this youthful in love with Jesus kind of a faith to, I don't know, I feel like I talk about God more now. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but I, th- I think about God the Father. Yep. Um, and this overarching love and this story of redemption. It, you know, it's just changed for me how I communicate with God and how I view him. And yeah. he's bigger than how I view him. But yeah. just knowing my own trajectory, it, it's been interesting. Yeah, it's like... It's like uh, a depth of faith. Yeah. That's yeah. Grown. Maybe tested and tried and less like puppy love and more like a yeah, lifelong through, marriage. Through thick and thin. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been married now to your now It'll husband? be 10 years this spring. Amazing. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. We're coming up, coming up on seven. So I'm looking at Tissel in the eyes actually right now. So I, <laughs> I swear. have a little moment, but no, uh, I my wife crane and I, my neck and also my look wife in the and eye. I, but Tissel, we've known each other for how long? He doesn't have a microphone. Seven years. It's kind of like me and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long-term okay. relationship. <laughs> we have been to the state fair together every single year. That's a commitment. Uh, me and Tissel. Mm-hmm. And I think most Thanksgivings too, uh, spend some time together. Uh, love you, buddy. <laughs> like a side note. Why Just witnessing we, why a moment. Uh, awesome. No, I I think it is true that uh, faith that's not tested is faith that can't be trusted. Yeah. I almost said put that in your pipe and smoke it, but I shouldn't say <laughs> maybe, that. Maybe yeah. Maybe the wrong no, crowd no, for that but one. But <laughs> your faith has now been tested 
And now it, there's like, not that people would trust it, but it's a trust that you have in the Lord because he's brought you through it all, uh, through those tests. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, I've changed the way I pray and changed exactly what it is that I trust in. I don't trust that my life is going to play out the way I want it to play out. Totally. I trust that God is bigger than me. Yeah. You know, and it, that's just all it is at the end of the day that I, I know so very little and I'm okay with that. Amazing. I think that's a lot of people's challenge in stepping into faith mm-hmm. uh, is because why, yeah, humanity would say, well, I'm not going to trust anything I don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, but to say, I'm actually okay with the, the Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts mm-hmm. are higher than our thoughts. We just won't understand the God of the universe. And I agree with you. My my perspective is I'm actually okay not fully understanding mm-hmm. uh, the God who created the universe. Because if I did or if I needed to, like I'm I I'm I'm barely show up on time for work. Like I'm you know what I'm saying? Like I, I for yeah. me to say this thought of like, well, I you just can't I can't explain I can't you can't explain God. I can't. Well, how well, pompous. Yeah, totally. You know, to, totally. To try to say, I know. Yeah, like, yeah. But we don't know yeah. anything. I'm pretending I know what the word pompous means, but uh, I think. <laughs> arrogant. Uh, how arrogant. Arrogant. How arrogant. <laughs> oh, uh, no, so it, arrogant. No, it's true. Uh, yeah, if you're listening, you're arrogant. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like the terrible episode for, anyways. <laughs> This is a good episode. Um, okay, tell me about your upbringing because uh, yeah. I want to hear about yeah your faith journey, not just where you're at now, but uh, how you were raised. You already explained your dad was, you said, something humanist, secular humanist. Well, that's what his parents were, so that's how yeah, he was yeah. raised. And so I think it was um, sort of his mother's nightmare that all of her children became Christians. Really? Isn't that funny? How many children? She had four. Four children. Mm-hmm. They're all yeah. Christians. At wow. least three and like multiple pastors. I just really, yeah, or married pastors. So uncles or aunts Mm -hmm. that married pastors. Yep. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when I was 19, my dad became a pastor and previously, you know, my parents had been singing for children and we would travel the country. And when you say singing for children, Mm -hmm. like what type of environments? uh, So they were were called the flyers and it was just the two of them. And have you heard of the teddy bear band? No, no. Okay. Well, that was their same era, but they would like eighties, Thing uh, yeah. That happened, so like 1983 to 1998, they did it full time. That was their only occupation. Really? Mm-hmm. And they would do state fairs, elementary schools, libraries. They Singing, didn't, they weren't like birthday party people. They were like no, above no. that. Like sure, was, sure, sure. Yes. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the comedian? He says, my dad was, my dad was a magician uh, or my dad was a clown and I was always embarrassed of it because he would do birthday parties or whatever. Yeah. And I had a friend who, like, he had a friend that his dad was a magician. Is like, his dad's better than mine. Oh, no. <laughs> like a step uh, up. <laughs> yeah, it's like the magician does, like, yeah, county fairs and Oh, all no. Anyways, your your parents were legit singing for children, not at birthday parties, mm-hmm. but in libraries. Yes, in, in libraries. <laughs> and Let's be clear. And auditoriums. Yeah. Yes. No, that's awesome. Okay, so then they became pastors. Yeah, and I think that they always kind of were, you know, they were bringing families together to enjoy each other and music and um, to make them laugh. Who were you at 19 as that transition? So I was at Bethel College and... um, Studying what? Music. Nice. Yep. Which, yeah, we got to talk about that because you, um, 
you were a worship leader, songwriter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about the band that you were in, uh, in your breaking, but, um, in, I'm getting ahead of it, but there's a song you wrote that's really encapsulates your whole life. Um, yeah. and just who you are, uh, so anyways, you studied music. I don't want to derail what you were just about to say. Oh, who so. knows what I was going to yeah. say. I'm always derailing myself. I don't no, know. so at 19, you're at Bethel studying music. Yep, and my dad became a pastor, yes. Um, and that felt like a very natural move for all of us. And they actually had to physically move houses, and so my childhood home was no longer there. And there was a lot that went along with losing that safe space for me. I dropped out of school to make a record. Yep. And I did that with a band, and I was dating the worship leader at our church, and he was really wonderful. And I remember, is that um, Trevor? <laughs> no, that was um, this was Justin, very okay. good man. Great, still single, ladies. Shout out, to, shout out to Justin. Yeah. So he was incredible. Um, we were writing music together, and we were playing out, and made this album. And I remember at our church, it was a vineyard church. We yep. both kind of went up for this prayer, saying, "Give me whatever you've got, God." Like. Yep. And I remember feeling like, oh, do I really want to do this? I think yeah, yeah. I do. Like, whatever you have in store for me, even if it hurts, give it to me. Yeah. And I prayed that prayer, and I honestly feel like maybe this is not theologically sound, but it felt like then I was tested, and yeah. like a lot, a lot happened. A series of events, some people making bad choices around me that affected me, and then some of my own bad choices sort of landed me in a different relationship and then getting married to my daughter's father and so many other things. And so I think that's when my faith became, maybe it didn't become real then, but it was really being tested. Like, why are you such a rule follower? That's hollow. You know, I mean, when I stopped following the rules, who was I? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think Um, it's great. And, and theologically sound, I think, I think it is because when you pray for things like patience, God usually doesn't just put it in your heart, but he gives you something to wait for. Yeah. And that's how it's developed. So God, give me patience. And it's like, you're really praying God. Test my patience. Yeah. Yeah. Test it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so prayers like that, it's funny because there's people that I know that are like, uh, there's, there's prayers that they are afraid to pray or even topics of conversation they're afraid to talk about because they know that principle and how God works is yes. like, if I start thinking about this or talking about it or praying it, God's going to send me into <laughs> what I'm afraid of, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that, I, I think that's part of the point of life is yeah. God created you, uh, where we're weak, he's made strong, all these things, uh, to throw you into environments where you feel a little bit in over your head or a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not God's, like, it's not his, uh, there's nothing evil about that, but it's it's because it causes us to remain dependent on him. Mm-hmm. And he gets the glory in everything that we do anyways. Um, so anyways, I think it's great. Um, you you uh, studying music, trying to do a record. Um, what, yeah, between then and then you were doing the silversmith stuff. Yeah. Um, what, what was the transition of, like, I want to do music, to maybe I've got some some skill that would help me become a shop shop. You call it a shopkeep. Is yeah, that, yeah, that's like my shopkeep general store owner. <laughs> lovingly, jokingly referring to myself. I mean, that really was such a funny organic progression. That's not something I ever could have envisioned for myself. I feel the same way. Again, I'm interu- interrupting. Do I'm it. sorry we joked about it before we start. That we're just going to interrupt each other. But um, I studied music. 
and to be a worship pastor when I was 18, I had this moment of rededication like yeah. to the Lord, like this is what I believe. It's not just the faith of my parents. I'm mm-hmm. also a pastor's kid, um, but this is, I, I'm doing this. And because I saw my parents as pastors said, this is how I was raised. This is what I know. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is what I was created to do. So I was going to go into ministry, but using my gifts, uh, being music. So a worship leader. And throughout that, over the last eight years, God has shifted my passions from music to people, like mm-hmm. just people in general. And literally, like, I I don't really care to sing and to play or to be on a platform Isn't and lead worship. Uh, like, I just don't. I used to, that used to be like what I cared about. Same. Not at a shallow level, like no. not shallow, but to make a difference in people's lives yeah. and the lead. Like, it was a good and thing. And it felt natural and like totally. what your gifting was exactly. and what your calling was. And now yeah. I just don't care about it, yeah. which Same. I care about worship, but I love being in the front row yep. yelling my brains out uh, during worship. And singing, and one's and not like, better than the other. It's yeah, just a strange totally. shift internally. Like when did I didn't, that happen? And I didn't even cause it. Yeah. Like it just God yeah. did that. And now I'm a campus pastor within this church, amazing church. Uh, and I, I didn't do it. But did you? Yeah. Did you have a similar thing where passion shifted? Yeah, and I think I just realized that I I had less to say, and that maybe my songs were. Um, less relevant to me and I just don't do a good job. Like I can't just get up and sing a song I don't believe. That is just not the talent I possess. I have never been a performer. I have mm-hmm. been a truth teller. Wow. And again, not a judgment, just how I'm created. I just can't sing it if I don't believe it. And I think it's just like my medium changed, you know, and as my faith has changed and become almost more childlike and more simplified, I feel like it's been distilled down. Are you familiar with Les Mis? Uh, I've seen the movie. Okay. Uh, uh, quick story. Is yeah. I went to it. go see this movie, uh, and I did not know that the whole thing was singing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and I actually appreciate it. Like, sat through it. it was awesome. But my brother-in-law, and he, I don't know if he'll listen to this. Uh, maybe my wife will send it to him. But we went as a family, like with my in-laws and Kaylee, my wife's brother. Did he like walk out? I'm nervous for this. Um, he, we did not know it was all singing. And okay. when he found out, uh, in the beginning, there's sing- obviously the whole thing mm-hmm. singing. And he goes, is this whole thing oh, singing? And like five minutes in. And, uh, he said, I'm going to have to walk out. And he <gasps> left. And, uh, I think he went to Taco Bell or something, but. <laughs> oh, I feel like I need to sit down uh, with him and have a heart to heart. No, no, he, no, he, he would look you straight in the face and say, I, it's the worst movie of all time. He'd probably say that, but anyways. Well, I'm just going to put him in a chair, strap him down, <laughs> tape his eyelids open uh, yeah. and make him watch it. He would hate that. So. That's okay. But By he's the a end, good person and I love him. <laughs> he's a good person. Well, my point in bringing that up is, um, there's a line to love another person is to see the face of God. Hmm. And that's what rings the most true to me now. Yeah. I just think we are all here to serve one another, to love one another, to be gifts to each other. We are given to each other. Yep. And I think that's that's sort of my faith in a nutshell. Do you feel like that that now plays into the shop that yes. you own? Like, do you view the golden rule as this is like more? like Christian lingo. I don't mean it as that, but ministry. Do you feel like this is a form of ministry for you? Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though it's so successful, everybody knows the golden rule. Like everybody knows your shop, you know, whether they've been there or not, it's out there, you know, and, and in a city 
uh, in the Twin Cities full of art. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's an amazing place if you're in any level of like art or design or music or theater or anything like that. And for you to be kind of on the forefront, like in front of everybody, um, yet you're saying it's this is it's true ministry for you. Mm -hmm. What what does that mean? In me say, put it in your own words. What is it? Yeah. Um, it's a place where I have free reign to say anything I want to say. Yeah. Um, and I do think that it is a platform that I need to be a good steward of, and I am careful. Yep. But very honest and authentic. So I, I try to acknowledge things, you know, on my social media and I wouldn't say it's extremely overt, Yeah. but I feel like if you're looking for it, you see it. And yeah. I mean, I encapsulate tiny bits of 1930s hymnals in um, jewelry. So there are, there are tiny little clues here and there that I hope open the door for people to have a conversation with me, but I would never want to shove anything down anyone's throat. Yeah. So I think, and yeah. I think what it, it's probably making more of a difference than you would even realize, like the clues, you know, just who you are and also being light in this world, like you're a person of light. And so it just, just by living your life, I think people notice there's something different. And I think that's partly why maybe your shop is in the season that it's in where it's, it's out there and I feel like there's great momentum just with what you're doing and building and community. And that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I think you're making more of a difference than you think you are. And what, but what's attractive about it is probably that you're true to yourself. What you said about singing songs, I can't sing a song that I don't believe is you probably can't also build a shop, uh, in a way or, uh, for better or filter, worse. Yeah, for better mm -hmm. or for worse. Filter. There are things that I could uh, make a lot of money on that I'm just not going to sell because yeah, it doesn't ring true to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't mean to put you in a corner. You even saying that, is there something specifically that you won't sell? Like, like at your, and you don't have to say it now. Like, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. give you specifics. That would be mean, but, um, yeah. yeah, not like a brand. I don't mean that. There are plenty. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So that's legit. Is yeah. There's things that you won't put in your shop because it's not who you are. Yeah. And, um, yep. I could get myself into trouble. Um, you don't have to. Nothing yeah, that, you don't have to. Yeah. This is I a mean, really hard hitting show. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm very particular. I mean, I need to believe in the art and the artist, the message, everything around it. It just has to ring true as a whole. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's cool. Uh, not that you're exclusive, uh, but you're careful to what put what to put in your shop. And I think it it creates almost a level of demand. Like people, like there's people, even creators that I know. There's people that I know that you've sold things in your shop that they've created, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Uh, but it creates almost this: I want I, I want my art to be. It's in too bad. It makes rule. me feel bad because I hate saying no. Yeah, yeah. And it's but, usually not even based on talent. Like sometimes it's like this is beautiful. It's just not for here you know it's yeah, yeah. just so specific. interesting that's so interesting how, yeah how do you say no and how do you decide Ugh. what's in your shop because again i started this conversation by saying it practically somebody walks in today what's in the golden rule and then you said i was 14 years old and so you're back <laughs> yeah, which is fine which is fine but uh going back to that well, how I do you decide <laughs> yeah how do you decide what lands in your shop i am maybe the most decisive person i've ever met really yeah um, I just, you have an opinion. I have an opinion. I was born with an opinion. So it's not hard to decide what's hard is the delivery. I just hate 
disappointing people because I've been in that same, very yes. same position with my jewelry, you know, bringing these things I've made and these creations and saying, do you want to sell these at your shop? And not understanding why they wouldn't want to, you know, not understanding their vision. Souls. You know, yes, yes, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. So, yeah, it's never about, it's usually not about the talent level. It's just. What is very the process? Narrow they just walk into the store and say, hey, here's my art? Whenever they do that, I say, I don't review anything in person because yeah. I cannot look at their faces as I say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just awkward. So I, I always say, just, you know, submit via email. I'd love to see images and I'd love to read your artist statement because I want to understand the person behind it and what they're trying to do. And if they're just dashing something off, that's less interesting to me. Man, that's brilliant. I think even outside of the outside of the world of art in hiring people or choosing people to have in your life or on your team uh, to say, I would love to read your artist statement. I would love to read your human statement. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what, what are you trying to accomplish? And part of that is like a test because I'm a writer and an editor. Yeah. So I feel very like, can you communicate yeah, yeah. clearly and articulately? And are you compelling? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you are an artist. You're a businesswoman. You are uh, uh, a writer, an editor, a musician. Uh, I mean, all this, mm-hmm. uh, which is <laughs> which is amazing. What are you not good at? Um, I don't know how to water ski. Okay. <laughs> okay. You get to answer the questions however you want. It's amazing. Uh, um, that's obviously not what I'm looking for, uh, but thank you. No. Okay, so you can't water ski. Great. Um, but in your business My and building, house is a mess. It's okay. full of everything that I've been working on all the time. Yeah. It's like art projects and whatever, just explosions everywhere. Is that what you're looking for? That... That's closer. Okay. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter what I'm looking for. You can say water ski. It's great. I have plenty um, of faults. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I think it's just cool for, and I don't say it like for me because I'm interested, although I think there's similarities in your personality. You're an ENFP and even you saying I'm a really decisive person, but I just, I really care about the delivery because I'm not trying to destroy lives. I feel the same way. I can talk strong, like in a room, mm-hmm. uh, without that person, and I know exactly the decision I want to make. All that, and but it just if eats they're in me front alive. of you, it eats it's me. It's that empathy, hundred percent. Like, and I don't, I don't actually. Maybe it is empathy. I don't know, but the way that I lead or talk is very decisive. But when they're in front of me, it's like I, I want the, I want to say the hardest thing, but I want them to leave and go, man. That was the best meeting I've ever had in my whole life. Like, that's what I want, you know? Yeah. So that's, but it's not always realistic, you know? So anyways, I feel similar to you. And so maybe it is selfish to say, what are the areas that you feel like you're not good at? But it helps people that listen too. is like, you're building something super successful and that's awesome. And it's like, you're living the dream, but, but what's kind of behind the scenes of I'm working on this, this is still in development where, you know, Here's my challenge in leadership, yeah. in business. Um, I mean, I'm working on balance, and I think that balance is an illusion. I don't think that it exists, and so I'm, I guess I'm striving toward a goal that I'm never going to reach, but um, my family doesn't see enough of me. Mm. I work 80-hour weeks, not necessarily in the shop, but 
all the different parts of the shop. And because the shop is golden rule, and then I have a small event space workshop, then the jewelry aspect, and then I've got the installation at Bang Bang, and then I open Pip and Pal, the kids' shop with Grey Home and Lifestyle. It's just a lot of directions. So I'm working on um, dialing it back a little bit and maybe paying myself this year. 2019, I'd like to pay myself. You don't pay yourself. I haven't paid myself since River was born. Yeah. Now we're talking. So I don't I don't know how successful you can be if you're not paying yourself. No, but you could pay yourself. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, you, you choose. You choose what to put the money yeah, yeah, into. Totally. And I, yeah. I put, put it into growth and into no, the women amazing. that are working for me. And yeah. It's amazing. Uh, who taught you business? You know, it's been learning it on the fly. I'm, I have a good math brain, so it's, and I'm pretty practical. Yeah. But a lot of, a lot of mistakes, a lot of trial and error. And my dad, you know, had businesses growing up. He had the flyers and taught guitar lessons and my grandma had her own business. So it's, some of it is just sort of inherent understanding. But I mean, again, how good can I be at business if I'm not getting paid? Right? Yeah. No, I mean. Maybe I need a mentor. No, I think, yeah. You, you probably have mentors. You're probably doing a great job. So I don't, I, I didn't mean to just say like, man, she's making so much You want so me to walk away from money. this meeting think, she's thinking this was the best so meeting. She's making so much money. Um, no. Uh, there, okay, so back to, back to your family needs more of you. Uh, wh- one, why do you say that? Uh, because there's a lot of people that go, yeah, if you're not home at five Mm -hmm. and, and there's, there's somebody that I follow and he talks about all the time. He goes, um, he goes, people talk about, uh, quantity of Mm -hmm. time, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to talk about quality of time. And so the parents that are out there that are like, well, I'm at home by five 30 and I'm with my kids until, and I get to put them to bed Mm -hmm. and, and you shouldn't be working those hours and you should be mom at home and mm-hmm. you should like you shouldn't be doing all that. They'll guilt trip people that are that are working the hours that you would work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe you feel some of that. Uh, but those are the same parents that are on their phone right. while their kids like dad, dad. Yeah, I think that's dad, maybe my issue mom. is that I'm not always present. I sure. try to be available. You know, people will call. So my cell phone is the shop phone. People yeah. call it all hours and they email at all hours. Yep. And I still feel like I'm such a baby business that I need to like be responsive and be on it immediately. Yeah. So it's like I'm hanging out with my kids and I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on. I got to answer this yeah. question or somebody ordered something. And so it's that sort of always being slightly divided. So you're not. You, so, yeah, great. You're, you're not talking about quantity. You're talking about upping the level of quality. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way last night um, as we were recording it last night. I got home and in in my transition in in life right now, I'm spending a good chunk less time with my family, my wife and kids. My wife's a hero. Um, And so last night I said, I'm coming home and I'm plugging my phone in and it's on do not disturb. And I'm just, I just, I'm just refusing to apologize for that uh, because my three-year-old daughter needs me Mm -hmm. from 6.30 to eight o'clock until she goes to bed. Like she, like if that's my time, then I got to give it to her. And and it is, it's killing me more and more and more because this, this happens in my life where she's like, dad, 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 dad. Yeah. And I'm on my phone and she'll say sometimes, dad, look at me. Yes. Look at me. And I want to shatter my phone. I know. You know, and, and just, 
think, what am I building mm-hmm. out in this planet that's more important than building this human that God's entrusted to me? Yep. And yeah, so I'm trying, I'm walking through the same thing. Um, and even not just with children, I mean, uh, with my wife, you know, trying mm-hmm. to build a healthy marriage. And, uh, you know, even as we're recording this, and this is not my podcast, but I, I'm being, uh, being transparent in that. I've not done a great job in dating my wife, you know, and spending time, quality time and quantity one-on-one with my wife. It's easy to kind of do the autopilot thing. Like we're good, right? We're good. Like totally like, yeah. You ask those like questions, like a little audit in marriage. Like I think things are going good, but it's like the, yeah. So I'm being more strategic with that of like, not that romance or marriage should be strategic. Well, you're being more intentional. Yeah. If you don't do that. Yeah. So going on a weekly date like i'm mm-hmm. trying to make that happen you know that's um, good and and put plugging my phone in so that i can't pull it so far from the wall and and it's on do not disturb you know when i'm at home because uh and then if there's an emergency somebody can get a hold of me uh because they can blow by the do not disturb but anyways thank you thank you for this therapy session it's been great. <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> No, it's awesome. I, I just as we wrap up this conversation and this episode, one, I want to say thanks. We had never met before today, uh, but I think you're amazing. What you're building is amazing. The Thank people you. that have come into your community and that work for you um, are some of the best people, both uh, Sammy Huerta and Monica uh, and uh, and Beth. I either officiated their weddings or was in their weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously I think they're some of the best people in the world. I do too. And that they would want to attach their lives to what you're building. Uh, just says so much about who you are and who your family is and just how you're leading your life. It's really amazing. I've never been to the Golden Rule because I don't know if you sell guys' clothing, but we're we're, we're going to talk about that separately as a new business venture uh, <laughs> because I want to be a part of that, <laughs> which would be awesome. Uh, not really. You can say no. Well, Ace, just don't look Ace me in the right eye. Just me. don't look me in the eyes when you say no. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask you to yeah, submit no, your you ideas have, okay, via so email. Ace, Ace is behind you. <laughs> yes, and they've got men's to- things. Yeah, so yeah. men's things. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna come. My wife's been there, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we'll come. There would, you would up. find something for yourself. I mean, yeah, it's lifestyle. Yeah, there's lifestyle. good design. You're not gonna find clothes for yourself at Golden Rule, but you'll find other things. Well, depending on my style. I mean, yeah, I. <laughs> Don't Maybe I, d- I don't know yeah, you that well. It's only I'm been a kidding. couple hours. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, no, it's awesome. I Yeah, thank you so much for taking time. Here's a couple questions. What's your favorite book of all time? And separately, while you're thinking about it, is somebody that's following in your footsteps, and you can pick from whatever angle you want. Maybe somebody that has lost a child or somebody that's starting a business or somebody that's working too much, not giving their kids what they need, uh, somebody that's, you know, divorced and remarried mm-hmm. one piece of advice that you'd give them and you've given so many pieces but if there was one that you're just going to throw out at the end so favorite book and one piece of advice so my favorite book is sort of a sort of a historical favorite it's sort of a childlike favorite i think i read it when i was 14 and it's called the robe yep have you read that? Nope. I said yes like i had you're like yep mine too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's my favorite book of all time um, it was, you know, you kind of put yourself in the shoes of Jesus and then his followers in the days after mm-hmm. his death. Mm. And I, I wonder now if I read it as an adult, if I would just roll my eyes, but it was impactful for yeah. me at the time. Yeah. 
And, Do you and, know who it's by? Uh, we'll just look it up. Let's look it up. It'll be in the show notes. It's it's an old old book, like maybe from yeah. the 30s or something. Yeah. Like, I'm saying I want to like say anything that's not right. After Jesus's death. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm it's kidding. actually it's called the Bible. Yeah. That's my favorite it's the Bible, yeah. <laughs> um, And then advice. Honestly, it probably applies to everyone. Um, don't take yourself too seriously. And life is short, so whatever that means to you, use your time wisely. Live it up. Use your time wisely. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or anywhere podcasts are found. To stay connected with what we're doing, you can also follow us on Instagram at Exception Podcast and visit our website at exceptionpodcast.co. New episodes are releasing every Friday. If you know someone who is an exception to the rule and want us to share their story, you can let us know on our website. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. Until next time, remember, as a rule, be an exception to the rule. Peace. Peace.